Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Wednesday. I'm Dave DeFore here with Seth Partnow and Moda Keel. So that means it's Nerder, she wrote. We're doing this one late Tuesday night. We just watched OKC in Boston. And um, even though this wasn't a nationally televised game, which it should have been, man, NBA TV, <laughs> poor guys got stuck with Bulls, Sixers, and, and, you know, the Bulls, we all hoped that they would be better, but they stink. They should have flexed over to this game. Great game. Oklahoma City beats the Celtics. And Seth, Mo, this is game five of a winning streak that is extremely impressive. They have now beat, they beat the best team in the league. They, they beat the best team in the West. And they beat the defending champs all in the last five games. When you said um, you, they beat the best team in the league, do you mean themselves? By record. Hey. I mean, by record. <laughs> yeah. I was just being well, cheesy. Done. But I mean, look, this I mean, I, this you could say that's every time the Celtics lose, they, they, they've, they've beaten the best team in the league because they beat themselves. Mm. Uh, I, I would just, I want to start by just saying um, a lot of the conversation about, uh, about the Thunder has been about what they need to add. And, you know, like we, we definitely feel, you know, they need to add some pieces. Um, but are they finals contenders today? I mean, they certainly are playing like it. They're the two seed in the in the West. Uh, they again, they've been on this run. They've got a All NBA first team guard. Who Seth? I know you're going to have to go and update those tiers. Um, and and Chet Holmgren is at least top thirty, I think, as a rookie, which is kind of crazy. I mean, he has been really, really good for them. I mean, I I would. Top fifty, maybe All top right. thirty. We start to like we split hairs between thirty yeah. and fifty. You know how this goes. It, it matters. There's forty guys in my top thirty. Yeah, exactly. So, That's yeah. but yeah. So <laughs> are they are they contenders now? So I know they beat Denver this week and they beat Minnesota, but I think those are two teams they probably have to go through at least one of them, maybe both. And while the Celtics are a very good team, I think the Celtics are from a matchup standpoint a better matchup for them than, mm -hmm. than either of those teams. And, and obviously Denver in particular, just because, um, you know, nobody has anyone who can handle Jokic, but they really don't have anyone. They don't, they don't even have like the, the Trixie, let's try this matchup for Jokic. Yeah. I mean, they even tried two possessions of zone tonight and this was against the, the Celtics and, Gave up five points, and I don't think they played zone the rest of the game. Yeah. I think it was that quick where they were like, yep, nope, that's not for us. Um, and I think that's an important uh, uh, aspect of it. I think, I you know what, I'm now going to kind of say, yeah, they are contenders. And I mm -hmm. think it's more just along the lines of, I, I don't know if they can beat Denver or Minnesota in a, in a playoff setting, seven-game series. They're very young. The size issue that we're, we're – 
going to discuss at nauseum from here until the trade deadline. And then they don't Probably answer after. it if they don't answer it all the way to the playoffs, um, I think is one of those things. But it's something that kind of Seth has said in our group chat that kind of uh, has been floating in my brain for a while, just talking about the number of flawed teams that have made it to the finals is more than one. (laughs) And it's, it's, I think it's, it's one of those things where if things break, right, there's no reason to think it can't be, you know, I think they need to add more pieces, but what they have now is pretty damn good. Like when you talk about Shea Gilgus Alexander, he was the best player on the court. Any moment he stepped on the floor tonight and he torched this team. It didn't matter who was in front of him. He made Drew Holiday look slow. He blew by Derek White. He blew by Jalen Brown. I don't know if Tatum ended up on him. Tatum much. at the end, I thought, did a pretty good job in the fourth uh, against uh, against Jay. But, like, he was just smoking these guys over and over again. And then you add in the fact, so that pulls in just on the clip where Chet hits that big three. You know, he's his penetration has been so strong that Porzingis has to kind of be at the nail to show help after the pick and roll and then Shea kicks it to Chet for a wide open three in that pick and pop. And I think that's just kind of the stuff that they're becoming very difficult to defend as a team. And the guy that kind of gets lost in the shuffle here and not that he's not good, but J-Dub Jalen Williams is been the secret to their success because when Tatum slid over on Shea, you know, they started working the ball against Peyton Pritchard, who was stuck guarding Jalen Williams. Now I don't love the execution down the stretch, it's very isolation heavy. It was, you know, they were trying to force a switch to get Shea the ball. And I think it get, they got out of their offense, which I mean, when, when they've got the ball moving, th- this offense is, is fantastic. Uh, you mean I would they went see to that. They went to prevent offense. Uh, yeah. Go read the exactly. X's and go read about pre- that prevent offense. And, and so I don't love that, but what a luxury to have that. Oh, Shea is being guarded by this guy who's six, eight and, and Shea does kind of struggle a little bit with size. Uh, and you get to give it to this other big guard who can handle and who can attack and do stuff. Um, they, they've got they've got the good core pieces. I think that they've got some moves to make on the margins. They're not a perfect team, but nobody is, as Mo just pointed out. Um, but they can play with anyone who's going to play small at any level. They can play with anybody. It's once you go big. And so one of the things we talk about all the time is, what is their curveball? Okay, so they they don't have the small ball curveball, and they don't have anyone on the roster to, to help them play big. You know, with with Chet being able to play the four, and I can even see defensively him being monstrous next to another rim protector. Uh, so, what's their curveball? Because every team, if you're going to be a contender, you have to have a curveball. It's, it's okay great, if they don't have one. You no, know, it's it's a great question, and right now it's it's somewhere between putting you know uh, Williams on the ball, or or just constant like Shea, Chet, uh, you know, ghost screen pick and pops basically, um, which you know that's it's that's that's Boston's best play too. So it's not a with with kind of very similar personnel. So it's not a not a bad place to go, but it's not it's sort of all out of the same group. I don't think they have a. They don't really have a group they can flex to that that presents a wholly different look. Yeah, I think when you when you're asking for the curveball, I don't know if they even need it right now. Their they fastball and splitter is killing, and in <laughs> the playoffs, crazy. in the playoffs, it'll be interesting in that sense. But this is a very difficult team to guard. Even that, okay, even after J Dub, 
you know, Giddy shot his ball, the three ball pretty well tonight. And then I think, you know, then you have guys like Lou Dort and you have other pieces there that they can kind of start to work through. Uh, Michich looked really good. Like they have a lot of stuff in there in, in, in their back pocket of like, yo, you only need the curveball when they can hit the fastball. Right now, I don't, I'm not convinced anybody can really stop the fastball yet. And I'm not, and I'm not saying they, th- nobody sure. can or whatnot. Like, we'll see. Playoffs changes everything. Yeah. Josh Giddy's going to get put in a blender in the Yeah, playoffs. for sure. You know, they're going to sit down. I mean, the, the Celtics tried that tonight. They right. started out the game with Porzingis on him, and he, his job was to help. First off, the Celtics did a terrible job of that. If you're going to do that, then Porzingis has to, take control of the paint. Instead, he was kind of like halfway in, halfway out, which led to drives for Shea and uh, uh, Williams. And then Giddy started knocking down some threes and then it became a bigger issue. It's one or the other in that sense. But the second thing for the, uh, the thunder in that aspect is it all comes down to him making shots. This is one of the reasons, you know, we'll find out how valuable he is come trade deadline. I don't know if they make a move. I don't know. Maybe they want to see how they go through this playoffs and then make a decision afterwards. But I mean, there might not be a guy out there that really moves them. Yeah. I mean, Dorian Finney Smith is sort of the, the, I think the dream candidate, right? If if they could get him for not much. We just talked about, they need size. And then you add another small tweener. I I mean, they need to add a wing for sure. I think they need a wing for the playoffs. But I think before that, they need size, man. Like we need, we, we, do you feel confident with Chet versus Jokic in the playoffs? Oh, definitely not. I don't feel confident with anybody against Jokic. But yeah, they need need to be able to go to the two big lineup that the other teams in the West are going to be able to run out there. I mean, like Nas Reed would have been a perfect pickup for them over the summer. I mean, you just, what a crazy fit that would be, right? Because it allows them to play big and small. But um, I don't know that that guy's out there. I mean, we, you know, we sort of have our dream scenario of, yeah, I don't know. Can they get Jared Allen or or Clint Capella or someone like that? I just I don't know that they will. What does Atlanta feel about uh, Nyeko Okongwu? Like, I think that it's hard. Capella is a hard one to to go get, and, and plus he's you know he's starter money guy, and so that that sort of fundamentally changes the team. But it's sort of is it is it a, is it a Kelly Olynyk? Is it you know these are the sort of 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 guys we're talking. Those are two. Those are two very different players, obviously. Uh, both of which would would do some interesting things for them. I think. I think Olenek allows them to to stay pretty similar to the way that they play now. I mean, he's a good ball mover. He it, <laughs> Jay King told us today that he's averaging like seven assists per thirty six minutes in, in Utah, which is a great stat. Um, but he's a good ball mover and obviously can stretch the floor a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think Olenek is kind of an interesting guy. For sure. Yeah, Linux would actually be kind of a perfect fit for them because you can play him with Chet. And I think that kind of opens up a lot of things for them. But ultimately, you know, it's for me, it, what I think will end up happening with OKC is they won't like the options that are out there. And we'll try yeah. to see how the playoffs look and then go from the playoffs and evaluate basically off of the playoffs instead of off of the regular season. That's what's going to be important for this front office. And I think that's going to be a big one. But I know we're going to move on here, but I just got to say again, none of you believed when I said <laughs> SGA. Nice. Was, yeah, I, I, it was that's on tape. None of you believed he could be a guy that could carry a team. This one <laughs> did. I did. I will be taking victory laps 
all season long. <laughs> I think long. you're you're slightly misstating. Yeah, I think. But you you are you're you're both right and overstating. But you're right. Uh, is he the hardest guy to stay in front of in the league right now? <sighs> Man, Jalen Brown was literally in his shorts uh, up around the free throw line, and Shade turns it into a layup through contact. Which, by the way, OKC the whistle OKC got tonight is what the whistle ought to be like for the entire league. And the whistle that the Celtics got tonight is what we need to get away from. That's that's the that's the end of our analysis for that game. But I like the way that uh, Oklahoma City was officiated. I don't like the way that Boston was officiated. They got too many soft fouls. Uh, let's do it the other way. And also, Boston's too good. They don't need the help. The, the, I, I want to answer Seth's question because that's the more the more fun part of the question. I don't give a shit about the refs, Dave. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, the if Ja wasn't out for the first part of the season, I think we would you would have a very interesting conversation between those two guys. And mm-hmm. I think that's the uh, that's what he's kind of like. Except I almost think he has a more repertoire moves in terms of getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. He had a play. He did, you know, came off the pick and roll. It was in the first half. It was right towards the end. Spun off Drew Holiday, kept Holiday on his side, and finished with a lefty scoop high off the glass. Like, when I saw that, I was just kind of like, oh, damn. You know? He's got, not only is he, he has every move, but he he does everything in rhythm, right? He's always able to get a shot up, like, balanced shot. The one thing, again, I'm nitpicking, but down the stretch, the isolation, trying to get into his mid-range stuff. Um, the, you know, the one there was one possession late where he, he essentially goes down. There's no action, just goes into the little baseline fadeaway. Don't love that. I mean, I understand that this is the NBA, and and you know, if you're a star guy, those are the shots that you get to take. But if you want to win games, man, those are not winning shots. X's and Mo's. That's it. That's it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. So moving on, it's officially trade season because uh, we had a good, a good and big trade. Uh, the New York Knicks made a splash and, and went out and got a guy who I think and Mo, you said it to, to us in the in the group chat. It puts the Knicks much closer <laughs> to title contention than they were before. They got OG Ananobi. By now you know the trade. RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly uh go to, to Toronto. Um, we're probably gonna be more focused on the Knicks portion of this because they're a competitive basketball team and Toronto oh, I is no, no definitely Oh, you've got Toronto takes. Here. Oh, okay. Do I? Oh, I thought we were just going to talk. I, I mean, I think we, I think we have, we have, we have, uh, we, we have, have 40 minutes of material. We have some disagreements about, about side. how to, how to view this trade from Toronto's side, I think. Uh, well, fair. And, and well, start, I think they're both, they're both legitimate points of view. So let's get into it. Let's start with where we agree. And I think it's that the Knicks, th- this is a good trade for the Knicks. Um, OG Ananobi is a, you know, an all NBA level defender. Uh, helps with their rim protection and especially in sucks. They don't have Mitchell Robinson out there for the rest of the year because they would work really, really well together, especially on the offensive glass. Gives them a guy who can score a little bit. Um, I mean, what's your initial reaction, guys? I mean, I know we're a couple days late, but this is a pretty big swing, I think, by the Knicks and doesn't and doesn't take away from their stash of, you know, picks and, and a couple other players that they've got. I mean, I thought it was a great trade. Can it be a big swing when it doesn't take away from your stash? Like it's, it's a big not, swing. Like, it's they went a, out it's, and got a was, player. No, I think it was a smart move. It's sure. a big swing to me when you put all your chips in. Okay, or, fair. Or, or, they didn't or, swing or, from or, their heels. Right. Like it's like, yeah. okay, let's go for this massive prayer here. It was a smart move in in the position for them. On the Knicks side of it, like I think it adds somebody. Did anybody feel confident if they played Boston in a playoff series that they'd be able to guard Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? Nope. Although Jalen Brown can't dribble, so you're probably better off that way. Uh, but the uh, you know now they have a guy. Even in his first game, I thought OG did a pretty good job on uh, Edwards. You know, and I think there was a lot of stuff in, in in terms of the way he defended. That's something that they didn't really have, and I think that's the stuff that I find very impressive for them. You know, when I make the comment that they're like one move away. Like they, they have everything still, they have the, the, the contracts if they want to try to make the move in the uh, regular season with Evan Fournier's, they have the draft capital with all of those things. I think it was very interesting that they were able to pull off this trade and not give up a first round pick. And I think that's the stuff when you're looking at it, I think is, is along the lines of like, they kept the powder dry. This is a great trade for them. And I'm surprised by the number of people that are, so hurt by quickly being traded. I think it's pretty obvious when they couldn't come to a contract agreement with quickly on the extension, he wasn't in their long-term plans and yes, they will need more. They will need to find a backup point guard, but I think that's fine. I think they can figure that part out 
finding the stopper is the harder thing. And quickly, you know, we'll discuss when we get to Toronto. So there's there's it's a reasonable point of view to think that 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 quickly might end up being the best player in this trade. However, I think for for obvious reasons or or reasons that he he was for whatever reason largely because he's blocked by a better player in Brunson, uh, that that he could be that that Ananobly could be the second best player in the trade, and it could still be an upgrade for New York. Um, I'll also say that that I think that we are. What would be the risky part of this trade? We've all sort of breezed past, which is you're trading a, a decent amount uh, for a guy who's an impending free agent. But given Anobi's uh, representation, come on, we we, we 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 know we know there's a deal worked out, and so part of it is is I'm uh, um, is I'm a little uh, you know on some level withholding some judgment on the trade until we see what that number is. Like if he if he signs a max contract in the summer, yeah, I kind of feel I find I kind of feel a little different about it than if he they you know they get him on on you know you know how much more are they going to pay him than they were paying R.J. Barrett is basically uh, determines a little bit the final grade. Yeah, and that's and an advantage. Also, that's an advantage nobody else had in in these negotiations. And the thing about O.G. and we talk about this all the time, especially come playoff time. He's the go guard that guy guy Jay, right. like you know and mo you said it who was going to guard jason tatum who was going to guard jalen brown this team hasn't had that ever i i mean this is this is this iteration of this team hasn't had a guy who could do that for a quarter much less uh for an entire playoff series which i think og ananobi like yeah. pretty much feel confident well, he's gonna be able been, to do that been josh hart and dante DiVincenzo, and those guys are both like good defenders but they're yeah. both six three small yeah yeah too small and they both play bigger but they're still small yeah. but it's yeah. even better when you have a guy like og and then have those guys flanked yeah, behind right. them they get to kind of play a little bit more of a different role in the way they play defense and can kind of sort of muck stuff up there a little bit and then with og again it's positional versatility in terms of what he can defend he, he was on cat he was on gobert he, you know he was on edwards like being able to switch through all of those positions helps you know and i think that goes yeah. a long way with them and then being able to knock down threes goes goes a long way we still i mean the knicks offense still needs a whole lot more in terms of creativity and things like that and that's a whole other topic for a whole other day <laughs> that's, um that's when we start playoff well, prep so i think that there's there, there's there's two ways to think about that sorry my we got a smoke. Oh, no, my dishwasher. Okay. I thought it was mine. Oh, I was. Yeah. I was yeah. 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 Uh, no. So there, there's just two ways to think of to to think about that. Is is one is yeah, their offense is not super creative, but they don't actually have uh, a ton of creation on the roster. Like the ball is in. I I think we all watched the 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 them play. No, uh, uh, the Timberwolves the other the other day, and that was the first game all season where anyone in the Knicks had had double digit assists. And that you know, it's it's uh, uh, Brunson is 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 an all star level player, but he's he is definitely more in the scoring point guard than the distributing point guard realm. Um, he, he can do it, but he's not like he. I, I would not describe him as a top level table setter for others. And they don't really have, especially and quickly wasn't great at that either, to be honest. And and so they have a they have a shortage of shot creation, I think, and that's that does make. Uh, you know, offensive design um, challenging, but they could also still do that better. That makes offensive design more imperative and more important 
than than just okay, go make something happen. And I think that's the problem I think we have with NBA offenses in general. Again, podcast for another day because I can go yeah. probably about four hours on that. And I think that's the, the the stuff we're looking at. But I think and again, that's where this the next move is. You know, I think it's finding the wing scorer who can create offense for others, you know, um, think, uh, Paul George when he was in Indiana, you know, and, and, in that regard, I think is, is that element. And I think that's the stuff we're waiting for. Again, one move away. This team looked before the trade, this team looked clearly a step below all the other Eastern conference teams, the, the, the top dogs in the East, right? I think before Christmas day, they were Owen six, against Milwaukee and Boston. They hadn't played Philly yet because, of course, Philly's schedule is interesting. Um, and, but now they're 1-6 with the Christmas Day game. But, like, that's been a clear problem for them, was that they were – now I feel like they've, they've, they're closing the gap. They haven't closed it, but they're closing the gap, which is something I think that's big for the Knicks. I love the trade for them. Yeah, and uh, uh should mention, you know, Precious Achua will give them some backup five minutes, which they're going to need. You know, Hartenstein now is the the starter. Don't, don't sleep um, on Malachi Flynn. Yeah, and Malachi Flynn. Hey, by the way, look, man, I, I'll say this: Tom Thibodeau uh, can coach guards really, really well. So we're going to find out if, if Malachi Flynn can be a player. Um, but swing to Toronto. Toronto gets R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly and a 2024 second round pick. The the um, 31st pick in the in the 2024 draft. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that, how we, is pick, that how so we do it? Right? This, so it's, this, yeah. is, this is how when you want to talk about the value of the trade, you talk about it as the 31st pick. And when you want to go on the other side of it, it's a second round pick. Is yeah. the third, no, I mean, it's like a fake first. Can we, can yeah, we just start I mean, calling it's, that it's, a fake I mean, it's a, One is it no longer a fake first? I don't know, 40 or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really the question. <laughs> I mean, would, I don't know. You you probably say you'd rather have the 31st pick than the 30th. Just for the from a flexibility standpoint, but yeah, unless that dude turns into a player, and then you're in trouble because they become a free agent much much sooner. And that's yeah, that's a problem. All right, let's let's talk about these guys. Um, Toronto, they they get a couple of good young players. They bring RJ Barrett home, and I I actually think RJ is, you know, he's had an interesting season, but not a bad one. Player, Uh, see, I he's been pretty good this year. The pendulum on him is wild. Like I I feel like I've sort of been largely in the middle on it and i think that when people were were huge into him they were too like he's getting talked about like the the worst contract in the league and he's like okay he's making like starter wing money and uh, like is he a starting nba wing on a playoff level team maybe not the way he's played this year but i think that that doesn't it's not it's not a huge gap between where he is and and that spot so i think that's like that's fine, and then and then quickly getting who's been you know from a from an impact standpoint has been a monster his entire career. Like the Knicks win possessions with quickly in the game and have done his entire in his entire career. And if he can carry that over into a a larger role in Toronto, then we're talking about just a, like a really really good player. If you look at what they've been doing with, with Dennis Schroeder and, and how how much they've been relying on him, I, I mean I, I think quickly is going to get a lot of opportunity with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, it at least gives him some, some clarity as, Hey, this is, this is our direction. Yeah. It's interesting with quickly. I'm, I like quickly. I'm not as high on him as everybody else. You know, I think he's going to put up good numbers in Toronto. I think he's going to put up numbers for this kid's a star. And then everybody's going to start comparing him to Tyrese Maxey, which I don't think he's 
close to, except they're both terrible on the defensive end. So maybe that's the comparison. But the uh, I think the thing for me with quickly is he doesn't create enough, which is what Seth was alluding to with, with him with the Knicks. Besides the 20 game stretch, I think last season where he started and he did really well, he constantly got to go up against the second team on a, a more regular basis than the normal. So now it's a little different with him being the guy. Uh, I think him pairing with Scotty Barnes is actually going to be really good. I think that's going to be a lot of fun with that stuff. When I look at it from the Toronto side, like on the court, I understand it makes sense. Great stuff. Good trade. When I look at it off the, 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 the larger picture, the organization or whatnot, I think this was a mistake. I mean, not in trading for him. I just think they held on to OG and Obi way too long. I think they could have gotten more for him last season. I think the, uh, they could have gotten players and draft picks and first round draft picks that, you know, were not the, you know, kind of first round extended <laughs> draft picks, pick, yeah. not even necessarily late lottery, but I think they could have gotten a bevy of picks for him in the way teams were bidding for him and overbidding for him. And well, then we all was, heard for first last year. Or, well, that's what they wanted. That's yeah, what they wanted. Right. I think, the, I think the number, I think they were getting, I think they had offers for three first, which is still pretty damn good for a dude. Um, like OG and Anobi, but like, I think they kind of overplayed their card here a little bit. And I know Toronto fans are going to be up in arms and we got our guy and we got the Maple Jordan and all that stuff. But you know, um, I think it's That's all actually my stuff. least favorite part of the trade for them is yeah. like, like if, if RJ being Canadian played any part in them wanting yeah, to Yeah, no, no, for yeah. sure. I, t- I was just, Seth's yeah. just not letting me rift. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe he's just jealous because I'm still in Hawaii. Uh, yeah. The uh, lovely <sighs> weather today. Um, the But the thing is for me, when you look at it in terms of how the organization needs to build and whatnot, this team and this organization would have been better off making this move last year. Oh, yeah. They could have gotten more for OG. And I think, you know, it's and for people who are like who aren't looking at or just looking at draft picks as players that you would pick in the draft, you're not looking at the fact of we're talking about the Knicks being able to make a big move because they have a ton of other people's picks. You don't interact like I think that's the issue. And then the other side of it that I don't think people are really aware of is, you know, if this pick, if this trade makes them a team that's at a playing tournament team, they probably lose their pick this year because that goes to. Uh, San Antonio because it's top six percent protected for the Yaka Pertle trade from last season. So now it's almost a negative value in terms of picks and draft capital with all that stuff if you lose that pick. So if this thing is seven or or, or later, that's the Spurs pick. I just think that it, it, to me, it just wasn't for the past year, just not well planning stuff from Toronto. They did well for what they're going to do on the court now, but I don't think this is something that takes you to the point where I go, Oh, Toronto's maybe not this year, but next year they're going to be great. It's like, I still think they have a long way to go. Well, I mean the, the Fred Van Vliet deal last year, you know, or non deal, I should say they didn't, they didn't move on from him. They lose him in free agency for nothing. Um, you know, something is better than well, nothing. If you already know what you're going to do, you know, we'll see so. how it plays out with Siakam. It, I, yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's sort of from, from what time horizon are you looking at? And like, from the standpoint of getting to this year with Ananobi as, as an expiring contract, I think they did well. And as you say, could they have done better last year? Probably. Um, you know, could could they, you know, before last season or or for however long Ananobi has been sort of rumored as a as a top trade candidate? 
Yeah, probably. The question is, is, you know, where were they in their evaluation of their team overall? Were they ready to to flip things over? And it, I think the calculus is like with the benefit of hindsight, knowing now that that, you know, their roster is not. No, I'm not. This is not I'm not trying. I'm not I'm not trying to defend. No. I'm just I'm, I'm you know, it, the, the complication of of that of the sort of the multi-period game of of knowing when to when it's time and when, you know, when you can actually get permission to flip your roster over that way. Like we, we're, we're sort of taking on faith for first round picks and like, you know, people well, say, no, nobody's and, saying they had four yeah. first round picks. We know yeah. they had three first round picks, right. Seth, four first round picks was what they were saying they want. Right. Which was again, ridiculous. It's the same way as we will talk about other teams later, overvaluing their guys and the, the market and all of those things. But like, when we talk about like, it's pretty obvious where this team was heading last year before the trade deadline. We knew Fred Van Vliet was gone, right? Like it's, we knew it's, Nick Nurse was gone. We, we, we knew, knew the like coach was, was gone. Like, we, we, we knew the problems that were coming with this team. You know, we knew there they've been trying. The rumors of Pascal Siakam have gone beyond last season. Like, you know, we're, we're two years ago where he was unhappy, might move him or whatnot and things like that. Like it's to me, it's just like when I look at it and we're talking about the timeline and stuff like that this team would have been better off breaking this whole thing down and, 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 and building around Scotty Barnes, who I think is great. Yeah. Quickly is good. I think he's not going to be a great playoff player. I'm going to just put it out there now. Like I, we, we, you know, the Knicks situation is different off the bench. Tibbs didn't really vibe with him. It's going to be him as a starter. He can't defend. So that's a playoff problem for you, you know? And that's, I mean, it's the same thing. Philly, we're going to find out about Philly with, and Maxi. In that instance, right. when he becomes the number one guy, but I think Maxie's just a better player. I agree with that for for sure. I agree with that. Um, it, it, this has got to be a precursor to a Siakam trade. I mean, you you mentioned Mo. I hope. They can't like they. It would be a disaster to lose their pick this year. Uh, so they need to make sure that they don't make the play in. Siakam is expiring. I mean, it just it's going to happen. I mean, this is this is. We're on their way. So well, I I don't know because you can never. That's count I them guess out. that's fair. Last year we had them all pegged for for sellers, and they went and got Jakob Pertle. That's going to cost them probably a pick this year. Another so guy like, they probably need to move. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this year. So uh, this is a this is a kind of a perfect segue to uh, our first segment of the new year. New year, fresh start. Uh, we've been talking about guys that, um, let's just say they're on teams that aren't doing much stuck in the mud or just suck <laughs> and they're good players. And we want to see them on contenders because, uh, you know, they're older guys. Uh, Pascal Siakam is number one on my list guys. I, I, I think that he can't be your number one on a title team, but man, he'd be a really good number two. He'd be, he'd be Where have I seen that before? All right. He'd, he'd be I mean, he'd be really good, but like let's just let's just I I don't know if I've said it here. I know I've said it somewhere else before, if not here. We just have to start the campaign of free the Bogdanoviches. <laughs> I don't know how, what's the plural Bogdanovich, Bogdanovi, Bogdanovi, Bogdanovich. Yeah, both of them, Boyan and Bogdan. Let's start with Boyan, like with Detroit. Like this is should have traded him last year. They were trying to get two first for him last year. I, st- I thought that was a ridiculous price. Again, going back to teams being absolutely ridiculous with their uh, a value and assessment in those things. But I think he can help a lot of teams. You know, I don't know if the Lakers can find a way to get him, but with how bad their offense is, I think he takes them a, a pretty 
take up. I think, you know, and then when you look at Bogdan Bogdanovich, I love him, man. He's just fun to watch. He has games where he goes completely off. I just want to see him on a team where he can really cook. I wish the, 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 the trade or the sign and trade or whatever it was. And he ended up in Milwaukee uh, before he ended up in Atlanta. I wish that happened because it would have been probably so much fun to have him there. Uh, And I think he would have kind of given them a little bit more of a boost in their offense with, with all that, but just free the Bogdanovi. The, the, you know, the, the funny thing about those three guys, I mean, I think Siakam is clearly a better player than the other two guys. Right. Um, And Boyan, you know, later in his career. So that's a different sort of acquisition. Bogdan, obviously younger. Um, But all three of those guys should help a winning team. You know, I I don't – I see that Warriors fans have been kicking around Siakam as some sort of a – a, a solution to to their problems. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he joins R.J. Barrett. You know, they send Wiggins to Canada. Is, is that kind of the story that we're working with there? Um, I, I don't think Siakam does enough for the Warriors there uh, to solve some of their their bigger concerns. But they're, I mean, it feels like some team could could get Siakam and go from let's say six to eight range to top four like final four in the west or the east i mean he's that kind of player is there any team that you guys would like to see him on he strikes me as uh, i think you differentiate largely because of of sort of the off-ball shooting ability that that both bogdanovi have is there a little easier in terms of just plug and play add them to what you're doing whereas i think siakam probably because of his ability, his, his ball in hands ability probably requires more of a morphing of what you have. And there, there would be situations like say that you dropped him on the Knicks and then that almost gets them back in the, the, the problem they had before. Like he's better than RJ Barrett, obviously, but it's still the problem of you got three guys on the floor, all who want to ISO every possession. And there's not really any synergy that they had before. So I and think Judas Randall's like, not going to sit there and watch Pascal Siakam post-ups like OG Ananobi just did in Toronto. Right, so, yeah, yeah. Not, I don't think that's going to happen. I, but I would love for that to happen to just OG walk into the locker room going like, I just got away from you, man. <laughs> You're right. I mean, again, plugging in guys who don't even have to start like, like Boyan and Bogdan. Uh, another guy that, that I think it, it is more easy to plug in than maybe any player in the league that I would like to see playing playoff minutes this year for any team. Alex Caruso. Can can we get Alex Caruso uh, another shot at some playoff basketball? I, I think that this is a guy who, I mean, when you talk about guard defenders, I mean, he's in the top handful. Uh, connectors on offense. He, he's a plug-and-play piece offensively to a certain degree. You know, he's not, like, going to go out and create a bunch for you. But that's a guy I really want to see a team pick up here in the next you know month uh, and, and some change as we go into the deadline. I, I'm just not sure, you know, what the market's going to look like. You know, we, we talked at the beginning of the show about OKC and how good they've looked and there are no perfect teams. I, I mean, how many teams are willing to actually take a swing and, and, and say, Hey, all right, we'll throw some chips in on Alex Caruso for this run this year. What teams that he would make a lot of sense for actually have like the assets to go get him? He would be a obviously a uh, a pretty good backcourt partner for uh, I don't know Damian Lillard 
in, in Milwaukee, but they've used all their stuff already. And so the teams that, you know, a team like OKC that has a lot, a lot to offer, you know, we know they, yeah, they could probably use some more defense in the backcourt, but he's, he's small. Right. The, the Knicks are would he's he's you know they've he, he's I think he's better than than, he, than but he's redundant Josh Harden. Yeah. yeah he's redundant so so where is the is is sort of the um, even a reasonable asking price where is that met and I think that the teams that have that kind of capital are are hunting for for bigger game I know in, in our in our group chat we've been talking about you know the Knicks are one guy away the problem is that one guy is a guy. Not right. just like one one piece. They're like right, you know, right. they're they're you know, wing level Donovan Mitchell, whoever that is, and I don't know who that is in the league right now, um, but that's that's sort of the piece that they're they're away. Would would he be interesting in Cleveland? Pascal Siakam or or Alex Caruso? Oh, no, okay. no, I was Alex like, Pascal Caruso. Siakam would be like, interesting get a, get in Cleveland, def- but Alex Caruso get a get a get a defender with 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 mm-hmm. Garland. I mean. I don't know how the Donovan Mitchell stuff is going to play out, but get another defender out there in the backcourt, I think goes a long way. And I mean, you know, uh, I don't know what their assets are or, or, or whatnot, but I, I, cause I know they gave up a lot to get Mitchell, but like that would be a team. I think that would be pretty interesting. I, I, I would in say that, for Cleveland, uh, he's too small. Their, their needs are more on, on the wing. I mean, yes, they need point of attack defense, but if you're going to stick with Garland and Mitchell as your backcourt, I mean, you just you need everything you can get. Well, I think I don't think I don't think <laughs> they have an option yeah. uh, soon. It might not be their decision whether to stick with it or not uh, soon enough. So I think it's kind of a move that hey, like at least when we have one of those guys on the floor, we could put Caruso out there and have some defense. And I think that's one of those those things there. And we're kind of a little bit protected should uh, somebody uh, yeah. choose to leave in certain amount of time. Uh, you guys got anything else on your mind before we wrap up today? Well, one more, one oh. more name we should mention actually two. it's Kyle Kuzma and Tyus Jones in Washington. Yeah. Please save the wizards. You know, uh, it, no, <laughs> just, just, just get them, just save us. Just save us. My dream. That. Nobody needs to trade for Jordan Poole. but like those two need a, need a, a little bit of a, my a dream chance. for Kyle Kuzma is that he embraces his inner Robert Ori and just says, you know what? I want to go be like the best fifth starter uh that i can be like in the nba i mean the guy defends he's willing to take clutch shots can shoot um i i think he's a really good player it's a matter of can i just commit to this is who i am he take the aaron gordon career path basically yes yeah yeah, yeah. he'd be amazing i mean he's such a yeah. talented player um and I, I would love to see that i mean if we could get him to a contender uh that would make a big difference. He's having a great year on an awful team, but you know, yeah. And he could be a, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, 20 point a game guy on a 25 win team, or you can be a 12 point a game guy on a 50 win team. I mean, Kyle he, Kuzma he, could do that. He was that, you know, the bubble Lakers. That's he was, he's, he was, he's been both. Yeah. He's been both yeah. already. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Tyus Jones is a guy like a team that needs a, uh, he may not want to go back to being a backup point guard, but I think that's where he's best. I mean, maybe the Knicks make a phone call and give up one pick or something for him. I don't know, like, you know, or or, or, or whatnot, but I think that's a interesting guy that can also really help a team yeah. 
uh, in the playoffs. And I think that's, I mean, he's done it. He did it right. in Memphis. I mean, we had a list a mile long, uh, but we decided not to include young players on awful teams. So, uh, you know, this was I mean, our, this, this is not the part where I can start to, you know, I'd, I, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing Patrick Williams in a different yes. environment. No, LaMelo ball. Yeah. Sorry. You're stuck yeah. in Charlotte for the yeah. rest of your life. Uh, for <laughs> that's going to do it for today's show folks for Seth part. Now Moda Keel, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been nerd. She wrote on the athletic NBA show. <laughs>